Welcome to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, with your host, Vanessa. On this podcast, we talk about who your coach is when the name tag comes off. What makes this coach tick? How did they get started? And what kept them going? What coach inspired them? Do they have any passions outside of coaching? And most importantly, what do they want their legacy to be? Tune in to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach. Welcome back to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, Why Coaches Are Humans Too. On this podcast, we interview coaches across the nation to find out who they truly are and what makes them tick. And today, we have my girl on our... Ariel, I knew I was going to do that. Ariel, okay, from Easton, Ohio. I was like, you know, like, is the best way to know your name, how to pronunciate, uh, well, Little Mermaid? Ariel? Ariel? I guess people, like, mess that up all the time. I don't know. Yes, I get it all the time. I get it all the time. Like, I tell people, that's why people just call me Ari now. I'm like, Ari, yeah, let's, let's okay. Go Ari. Let's go with that. We're yeah. going to go with Ari because I feel like I'm just going to be trying so hard not to mess it up that I'm going to mess it up. So <laughs> It um. happens. It's fine. Ari, how are you doing today, girl? I am doing great. The sun's out. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful day. You know, I'm loving it. <laughs> Saturday. It's awesome. Only minor mishap today with the power off. Yeah, yeah, that was my start to my Saturday morning. <laughs> um, I'm just chilling in the ha- cafe, waiting for my client to come, and then this power just goes off. And I was like, uh, <laughs> so what happens next? Uh, so that's what's supposed client, to happen. My client will be here in like 20 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, I think I've only had that uh, happen to us maybe once in a really bad storm. Um, and then obviously everything kicked right back on. But, right. Um, yeah, that's always a little crazy. I always wonder if, like, do the treadmills, like, progressively stop or, like, oh my is it just I a halt? I was outside when it happened. You know? <laughs> I mean, upstairs when it happened. I was like, oh, I wonder what's going on upstairs. I literally ran upstairs so fast. It was so dark. And it's so funny because everybody just kept their workout. Like, everybody was like, the show must go on. Like, I'm here on a Saturday. I'm getting it in. That's like, hilarious. Get out. We're going to keep going. <laughs> Man, people are dedicated. I tell you what. Super I mean, dedicated. especially in Texas, uh, whenever we had the snow week, people were like banging down our doors like, uh, can we <laughs> can we get our workout on? <laughs> like, um, OK, so you're from Ohio. Now, did you go to college in Ohio or somewhere else? I did not. I actually went to school in West Virginia, um, Bethany College. It is literally in the middle of nowhere, but uh, yeah, it was a great time. (laughs) Okay, and what did you go to college for? I actually went to college for um, accounting. Like, I wanted to be an accountant. Super weird. When people listen to this, they're going to be like, what the heck? But (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Like, how did that even, how did that trade happen? How did you choose that degree? Um, honestly, I'm like super, super good with numbers. I think very analytically. Um, everything in my life has to be like planned out and very like number based. That's just how I like process everything, my business, everything. Um, I'm good with money, like all that type of stuff. So I was like, yeah, this is definitely like 
what I should do, my calling. But then I thought about it and I was like, you know, this is actually probably going to be really boring, but I'm good at it, so it'll work. So you're a fellow type A then? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Do you know your, uh, have you ever heard of Myers Briggs? Yes. Okay, what, do you know what you are? No, Dang I haven't it. done it yet. Girl, gotta do it. You gotta do it. I am an INFJ. So let me know when you do it because I want to hear what you are. Um, I will. I will. Everyone keeps telling me to do it. And I'm like, all right, I will. And then I just go. Okay, uh, yeah, I gotta hear what you are because that's so interesting to me. Um, but you're, so your mom was actually a big influence on you for making the switch into the fitness and health industry. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So she is awesome. So basically I was telling her, like, this is my major, this is what I'm going to do, et cetera. Um, freshman year is over. And she was just like, are you sure this is what you want to do? Like, I just don't see you, you know, going to work every day at a desk job, like dressing up, going to work, working a nine to five mm -hmm. and coming home and just, I don't know, just have no offense to the accountants or anything out there. Mm -hmm. But she was just like, yeah, I don't see that. Your personality is too strong. You've always been around sports. You've been an athlete. You're a people person. I just don't see that happening for you. And I just thought about it. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Yeah. Completely shift. <laughs> yeah. It's the best of both worlds, though, right? Like, I mean, I actually, I, I'm, I'm like you. I'm definitely a type A. I have to have, like, organization and files on my files on my files. And everything has to have highlighter. Like, I like being on the computer for details. But, man, after a while, I'm like, I need people. I need to move. I'm bored. Like, I need to, mm -hmm. you know. So, I mean, I just, but I love, I love our job for that reason. Um, we just get to basically dress in pajamas and, like, move around and make people laugh. So. Exactly. And make people better. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, literally the best. Like, it, I was like, I don't understand how people can just, like, dress up every single day. Like, I don't know. I haven't probably shopped for, like, actually anything really, really cute in, like, forever. Well, especially this last year, that. right? I mean, like, yeah, we don't, like, it's totally unnecessary. But, um, yeah, my girl, I have some girlfriends that are, like, super into fashion, and they're like, can we just dress you? And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I was like, I just, <laughs> I just have, like, zero fashion sense because it just, my work, you know, clothes bleed into how I dress outside. I'm just like, nah, I go for, like, comfort <laughs> instead of style. Exactly, exactly, because you're comfortable all the time. So it's like when you actually do have to dress up, you're like, eh. Mm, no, hard pass, yeah. Um. <laughs> So you also had an injury that kind of like took the wind out of your cell. What happened with your mindset when you experienced that injury? And this was in college. Yes. So um, honestly, it was it was pretty depressing. Like it was it was shitty. Like when you get hurt, um, any athlete when you get hurt and messes with you like mentally, um, just being out it was my senior year so being out letting the team down like you're a senior you're booked as a leader on the team and then you get hurt so early in the season as well and then you work really 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 hard to come back but then when you're like actually playing with the other teammates mm -hmm. actually still thinking cautiously like oh i don't want to get hurt again you don't want to run into anyone you don't want to land wrong etc so when you're playing volleyball it's a lot of jumping and lateral movement so you're like 
please don't get hurt again. Please don't injure it again. But it's just something that you have to overcome, you know. Um, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't because it's hard. But that's what happened to me. Um, I literally worked super, super, super hard to come back. I probably came back a little bit too early than I should have. But it was like, again, my senior year and I had to. Um, I didn't want to sit the season out too long. It happened like preseason, so it wasn't even like when the season actually started yet. But I just worked really hard. I got back on the court. I actually injured it again because I was so hard-headed. But since I knew what it felt like, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm good. As long as I can stand up and walk, like, yeah. we're perfectly fine. <laughs> so just seeing and going through that process of seeing, like, oh, it's not um, all about being a meathead in the weight room and working out hard all the time and how much you can squat because we always worked out with the football team, so it was just, like, one of those things. When I went through physical therapy and stuff like that to get my knee back strong, that's when it opened my eyes to, like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. And um, honestly, that kind of influenced me to be where I am today, just that little injury, which is really weird, but... Yeah. Right, like slowing it down and being able to kind of study the body a different way other than like go, go, go. Because, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, a lot of soccer players, I come from a soccer background, you were in volleyball. And, I mean, I guess even all athletes know if it's the knees or if it's the shoulders um, and really the back. I mean, that's, I mean, that covers almost everything. But they're hard to come back from. Any injury is hard to come back from just because, it really is. like you said, your mind changes and you end up kind of getting inside your head with like, okay, well, now I can't really like f- go full on and full out because your body naturally remembers when it was injured. So it has this idea of protecting itself. But the more that you protect yourself, especially with a lot of our ankle injuries in soccer, like if you if you try to step too cautiously, then you end up kind of re-injuring it anyway in a different way. So, I mean, that's it's really tough to start getting back into full full gear. Did you ever feel like you could actually pull uh, play like full on after your injury? Did you ever get back to that? <laughs> Honestly, that's so funny that you bring that because I mentioned earlier that I'm very hard headed. Right. So throughout <laughs> my entire volleyball career, I was one of those people that I'm just like, oh, it's fine. Just put a brace on it, tape it up, we're good. Like yeah. I'm back from the court, I'm fine. Leave me alone. Never cried. I sprained my <laughs> ankles probably like 20 times throughout my whole career. I'm like, it's fine. All right, you have to put it up. Take your shoe off. I'm like, no, keep it on. It's fine. And. But it was when my knee, like knee injuries are a completely different ballgame because I never felt that before. I just heard a pop. And you automatically think it's your ACL because ACLs happen a lot in volleyball. And I was just like, I cried that time because it it, it was so weird. I didn't cry because it hurt. Like, yes, it hurt, but I just cried because I was like, oh, my God, it's my ACL. Like, my career is over. Like, no way. And, um... But it wasn't, obviously. But it was more so just, like, I don't really care. I just want to get back on the court. Right. So, like, I went to the doctor, and I literally looked at him and was like, so am I playing, like, or what? (laughs) (laughs) He was like, "Um, no. And I was like, okay, well, when when can I come back? (laughs) He was just like, you are very stubborn. And I was like, I don't want to hear anything besides the date (laughs) I am released. So it was like once I I just worked really really hard. I was doing rehab and everything by myself. But like I said, when I actually like my physical therapist was like, "All right, 
well, if you can do these sprints and hard cuts and stuff, et cetera, like you can get back on the court. And when I got back on the court, I honestly like froze. Like I was playing, but I like froze because I was like, oh my God, don't run into me. Oh my God, don't. Like it was, I felt confident with myself, but it was the other people around me that I was like, oh my God, don't, don't hit me the wrong way. Don't step on my ankle. It was more that. Like I was going hard on my own. Right. But if anybody, if, if um, people that are listening know volleyball, like when you're moving together and blocking together, it's kind of like you can land on someone's foot. Yeah. Or trip someone, et cetera. So it was more like that. Yeah. Um, but once I got over that, it was it was fine. It was fine. Yeah, luckily, I mean, I only had, like, I had one knee injury in soccer where I went in for a slide tackle and the and our this girl and our legs uh, locked on each other. I stood up faster than she did, so she locked her legs around my ankle, and when I pivoted, my knee just, like, gave out. Um, and my dad always taught me kind of that same, like, hard-headedness, like, if there's no blood, there's no foul, and if you can walk it off, then you're good. And I tried to, like, yes. walk it off, and my I couldn't do it. <laughs> and then uh, and then the only other one, really, that was kind of bad was uh, was I went up for a header, and this girl – this kind of this team that was inexperienced it was our senior year and it was like our last game ever I went up for a header this girl tackled me mid-air and I came down on my thumb and it was like the first five minutes and I broke I broke a bone in my thumb but it wasn't like it wasn't like a hard break like my thumb was hanging off of my hand or something crazy or bent backwards and I went up to my coach and I was like uh coach I was like I can't uh I don't, I don't think I can grip the ball. Like, I think I broke my thumb, and she was kind of like – she actually coached um, – shout-out to Coach Telly from Austin High School. She coached the uh, U.S. men's rugby team. So if that tells you anything, she's, like, super-duper hardcore. So she's like, nah, you're good. And then I come back the next day, and I'm in a full-blown – like arm cast because they don't do uh, they don't do thumb casts and I was like really right. coach I was like do you want to be the first one to sign my cast <laughs> like oh since my, my thumb God. isn't broken but yeah she's definitely one of my favorite um, coach stories do you have a favorite client story or something that also that kind of relates to how you overcame your injury and strengthened your mindset to help a client oh yeah for sure so honestly it was I have so many, like there's so many, like I'm sure we all do, mm-hmm. but I would say it's like my very, very first client ever at Life Tech. It was kind of thrown to me. Like um, the other trainers at the time were like, yeah, you're going to just, you're going to do this onboarding session um, with this lady. Uh, it's going to be great. And I'm standing there like, what's an onboarding session? And I swear in my head, I felt like nobody was answering that question. I was like, what is an onboarding session? And they're just like, yeah, you're going to do great. She's on the treadmill warming up. And I'm like, ah. But I walked up to her. I walked up to her and honestly didn't know what I was doing. A very first client ever. I just gave her a great experience. Um, we just bonded. We talked. Um, and... She never worked out before, ever. She was already, like, in good shape, decent shape, but she wanted to be stronger, and her just her mechanics were not there because, like I said, she never really worked out before. But she was a nutritionist, so she was already healthy. And just taking her through, again, my very first client, and taking her through, like, just functional movement patterns, the squat, the deadlift, push, et cetera, 
and like seeing her grow from that to like actually being able to deadlift like 25 um, pounds on each side like was amazing to me that just like those little satisfactions are like wow like I remember when you like you know we all should know like yeah. when someone doesn't know how to deadlift and the first thing that they do and what they look like yeah yeah that was her so when i saw her like do it well and like really pull and just become so strong it was just so amazing and again it was my first client so it was just like awesome and everybody and i like signed her up for like three times a week i think too just from that experience and everybody thought i was like the shit and i was like um <laughs> i don't know how to repeat it <laughs> Again, can you tell me what an onboarding <laughs> is? <laughs> but yeah, that's probably like my favorite story ever because again, it was just my intro to lifetime in general, and I thought that was awesome. Couldn't have asked for a better client for my first one. Damn, yeah, I always feel I always feel uh, feel for our new um, trainers because they're like, man, it's just everything but the training is difficult, you know, and. They always yeah. say that it's like um, taking a fire hose to the mouth for the information. You know, you're just like sh- you're just like taking it all in, but you can't you can't take a breath because there's just a lot to learn. Um, it is. That's the best analogy that Lifetime ever had told me. I was like, yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah, but you know, yeah, this place is is a pretty amazing place to to work. I definitely cannot complain. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it's definitely helped a lot with my mindset, learning a lot from all the people that I work with. Um, I've definitely taken on some more books to kind of learn from. And then obviously I'm a big advocate for podcasts and listening to podcasts. Um, and something recently that I've been trying to do is find a good mentor. So like I love people like David Freeman and, and Lindsay, DK, if you know Dan King, um, he's obviously a big person in lifetime because he's um, employee number two. Um, but do you have any mentors that you look up to that help you with work or life in general? Yeah. So honestly, um, so when I started at lifetime, so you know, like I was a fresh college kid. Like I was just like I wasn't really into that. Like I was like, oh, what's a mentor? Like books? Uh, sure, I'll just figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Um, but as I like started working at Lifetime and just becoming like a small group coach, etc., when you see um, a business that's really successful, of course you're like, oh, I want that. Like I want to mimic that. So I don't want to really say she was like a mentor or anything, but Jamie out in Dublin, like her entire program of um, group training was amazing to me, and this was like right on the cusp of me becoming the GCC at Beachwood because that's where I started. I'm at Easton now, but um, I was like, "Wow, that's awesome!" Like, I want to, you know, do the things that she's doing. Whatever she's doing is making her successful. So I'm like, "Teach me your ways." Like, how are you doing this? What mm-hmm. are your coaches doing? What are you saying to them? Things of that nature, just so I can grow and um, at least try to get half as good as that program was but yeah it was more just like seeing stuff and noticing how successful that's going and just picking people's brain more so right right and then you know something that i've always kind of had a discussion with with our leadership here is um you know the difference between a, a boss and a leader 
Now, what is yeah. one time that you've had a boss and one time that you've had a leader? And what was something that you learned from the boss that you knew you wouldn't want to become or a leader that you wanted to encompass? Yes. Very good question. So I would say um, an example of a boss would probably be my volleyball coach. Um, She was crazy. (laughs) She was so hard on us. Um, Any mistake we made, like we were in trouble. Like she was striving for perfection, which I mean to a certain extent because, you know, nothing is perfect. But that's just how she coaches and it was very hard and like intimidating so sometimes you were scared to make a mistake but like I was like opposite like honestly the yelling I just fed into that and I just like excelled in my game because I was like okay you're not about to yell at me again like I'm going to show you that you don't need to be yelling at me but that was kind of like her style just work hard um give it your all because you're never going to know if, you know, that ball that you gave up on, if you would have went full out, you probably could have got it up. So it was more like that. Um, And I would say like a leader, an example of a leader, Um, honestly, anybody that's like willing to get into the trenches with your people. So I mean that by if I'm going to listen to you, you're going to lead these people. You have to lead by an example. So in the small group world, if you're going to be a GCC and I'm expecting something out of my coaches, like, oh, we need five new joints this week or we need to legion or whatever that is, I need to be doing that as well. Just like a PTM, whatever that case may be, because you're just going to get more respect when you can show that you're able to do it too. It's one thing to tell somebody what to do, but if you can't do it, you know what I mean? Then that's where we have that, like, trust issue problem there right trust trust is that foundation then i feel like comes communication because you can't really trust someone that's not um you know their actions and their words don't really match yeah that doesn't make any types of sense um what do you feel like is something that you still kind of struggle with that you feel like you're working to overcome? Like, or what's something that's a vice of yours? Um, I would say definitely being a woman, black woman in the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of like all the internal battles that I just go through in my head, um, just of like, what are people going to think? I, sometimes I feel like people don't know what I'm talking about, but I also feel like um, that's just like a woman thing in a male-dominated industry that we work in. Mm-hmm. They probably just assume like, oh, you're a woman. You're not going to um, – you don't know what you're talking about. You're not going to push me as hard, like whatever that looks like, because I've had that before. Some men just say, oh, I prefer a man because – it could go both ways. I prefer a man because they're going to push me more, or I prefer a man because – you're cute or you're you're cute to look at so it's like the battle with that and then also just like the internal battles i have of being a black woman because of the things that have happened in my life Mm -hmm. like yes we work at lifetime and lifetime is an amazing place love it to death would not change my job for anything in this world but people have to understand too that there's like other things like outside life influences that sometimes um people struggle with and i struggle with a lot Um, And sometimes, you know, it's hard to always have that positive attitude when you 
um, aren't at Lifetime 24-7, you know what I mean? I have a life outside of that, so sometimes the things that we go on, that go on in my life outside of Lifetime, and sometimes it's hard for me to bring that back in, um, you know, detach from that when I go to work. So I think that's probably, like, not really the biggest, but something that I um, struggle with a lot. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, though. Um, I definitely know there are some things that I try to really you know, leave outside, but we're all human. And unfortunately, as women too, we try not to be as, and maybe I could just speak for myself because I definitely don't want to overgeneralize, but I try not to be as um, emotional with my decisions because I am a female, uh, Mm -hmm. trying to adapt to a mostly dominated, a male dominated industry. And, you know, depending on who you're speaking with, part of why female leaders are so impactful is because they are different. There are benefits to being masculine and there's benefits to being feminine. And it doesn't necessarily even mean in regards to gender. It could be that there are qualities, energies, um, how, you know, composure, different things that relate to the masculine and the feminine. I was just having this discussion with a new client. She was like, hey, I just want to let you know right off the bat, I don't normally hire female trainers. And I was like, I can respect that because I wouldn't normally want to go take a female's uh, female's class um, as a coach. I normally prefer males just because I normally, you know, grew up with buddies that were guys and like played with guys. And... And uh, and we have to have that kind of chameleon touch. I mean, that's kind of part of being a trainer, too, is that we wear many different hats. We're a psychologist one day, and then we are, um, you know, maybe a boot camp leader, and we have to come in strict, and then we have to come in soft because we're the best friend. Um, right. And, you know, I mean, there's just a whole lot, a whole lot of influences going on. So I definitely tip my hat off to uh, women, trainers, um And then obviously something that is incredibly challenging that I obviously, um, I do not know about in the depth that you do because I cannot is just respecting the experience, um, and, and giving that time to just listen, um, and to be an ally about experiences that you've had, um, as a black woman, um, now, one incredibly challenging moment in your life was actually really, really close to your heart. It was with your father. Yeah. Um, can you please yeah. kind of share that experience? Yeah, for sure. So um, <clears throat> this is definitely one of those internal battles that I battle with on a daily. Um, so in 2018, um, my dad, so we live in, well, they live in Cleveland still, um, and we live in a nice neighborhood, like it's definitely mixed, so we have black and white people that live next to us, um, and we have this white older neighbor that lives behind my parents, and we have literally lived there for so long, like even longer than, I'm 26 now, so my parents probably moved there maybe 25 years ago and he's always lived behind them for the longest time and we also have a fence up too and he lives behind us so it's really not that much of an interaction and this guy one day decides and I'm at work I'm at lifetime at this time this guy decides to um shoot my dad in his back while he was in his driveway um cleaning his car and 
he was completely off guard, obviously, because his back was turned. And it, the scariest part about it was, like, I wasn't home. My mom wasn't home. Um, my dad was there by himself. So it, it, it kind of like more of a, oh, my gosh, like, if he would have got hit in a different area, like, he could have been back there by himself with no with no one around to help him, you know what I mean? Right. So that happened a long time ago, and um, he – is you know dealing with that still to this day my dad um it was very traumatizing to our entire family it was very traumatizing to him because in like the black community like a black father is like that protector and like they feel like any any vulnerable moment is kind of like non-existent like he's there he's the protector i protect my family i bring food on the table like etc that's just how it is and for him it was more like wow like i was caught off guard by this i was not ready if i was standing up or facing another way maybe i would have saw it like things like that that he struggled with a lot and i mean like my dad's never got shot before nobody in my family has ever got shot before so that was just very traumatizing to him and the fact that he um got shot in his shoulder and the bullet went in his scapula, and that is actually what saved his, um, him from puncturing, puncturing his lungs. And the bullet is still inside of him to this day, so he also has that um, that constantly eats away at him every day. It's still inside of him, so he's always going to have that memory. And then also he cannot do what he was doing before because he has to deal with that pain. Every time he reaches above his head, it hurts because it's literally just scraping his bones. So he had to do physical therapy for like two years just to be able to not get over the pain anymore, but learn how to deal with that pain in his normal life. So he couldn't do his job anymore. Um, he got laid off. He was trying, he got denied disability so many times. Um, this happened in 2018 and um, the court the court system is very interesting because like you see all of the stuff that happens on TV with like black men getting shot and killed and not being able to survive and you see like are they getting justice are they not getting justice etc mm -hmm. and like actually you don't really know how like crazy like the system is and you actually go through it so we just had like it took my family forever to even like get a trial it was just a bunch of mess um the guy like didn't um leave his house for a while then he finally like moved in with his brother then he came back so not only does my dad have the bullet inside his back but he also you know saw the guy a couple times um the charges that he got charged for was like felonious assault and like firing and firearm and um, a residential area, like stuff like that. When my mom was like, "No, we're going for attempted murder," because yeah. clearly, like, my dad's back was turned and um, things of that nature. Um, we've been going through it forever. We probably just just settled it like two months ago. Um, we had a lawyer before that just settled the case two months ago. We had a lawyer before that. It was hard with her because she made a comment saying, like, are you guys sure you wanted this to go to trial because we have to convince a jury and it's a really difficult time for black people right now. Like just like little stuff like that Jeez. that you notice 
And like, like I said, like you see stuff on TV all the time, and when you're actually going through it, you're like, wow. I'm just thankful that my dad is alive to be able to tell his side of the story because I feel like that's what's going on in the world today. Like a lot of these guys are um, dying and they're not able to, you know what I mean, tell their side of the story in court. So we only can have witnesses and he his word against witnesses and history. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm just happy that my dad is still alive and able to just tell his side and still, you know, be positive and just continue to live his life, you know? Well, I one I honor that story and thank you for sharing. I know that must not be easy um kind of reliving that moment, sharing that story. That's your dad, you know, that means a lot. He means a lot, you know. Y'all are very close. It sounds like, you know, your mom and your dad cuz you're you're an only child. And mm-hmm. um it, but it's just I just feel like it's important for Um, a lot of people to hear certain stories like that so that people understand. Um, I was even talking to a client of mine um, that actually has American Indian background. And she said she was recalling an experience that happened to her back in 91 in Florida. And it was, I won't get into too much detail, but it was related to the KKK. And it was Mm. her and... uh, Um, apparently because she gets very dark very quickly because of her lineage um, the KKK thought that she was um, she was black and they basically refused her and her mom any type of service at a restaurant and this was in 91 in Florida and then and then you're recalling an experience in Ohio in 2018 that has extended to two months ago so I just there are there are still these quite a few people that kind of just going through denial um that experiences like these injustices and inequalities um happen and it's just it is you know it's unfathomable but we I feel like we need to be able to talk about it so that we can stay educated and that we can help um we can help at minimum just kind of spread awareness and then be able to correct and move and put power behind corrections that do need to be made within the justice system, et cetera. Um, and, yes. and minimally just support, be there and just share, yes. you know, be able to um, support you and just make sure that, you know, you know that you have a support system because like we were talking about before, trust. Because you were talking mm-hmm. about how that also has kind of, bled into kind of just the people that you're around um in work outside of work how has that been like for you like just rebuilding trust with relationships and people yeah so honestly don't get me wrong it was definitely hard like just going through because when it just happened I'm not gonna lie I honestly think I didn't really grieve the situation until uh two months ago so we all know Lifetime is having this, you know, this DEI thing, and I'm obviously a part of that. And we had our first DEI meeting, club meeting, um, a couple months ago, and I actually told the entire club about it. And I really never really talked about it too much. Like, I, like obviously my friends know, the people that are close to me, they know. But outside of that, I, I don't really talk about it too much because it's like, 
I don't want people to look at me weird. Talking about race is really weird. Um, and I don't want, like, I don't want pity, if that makes sense. Like, I don't, I just, I don't know. I just, I would rather tell this story for education purposes. Like, no, listen, this is why I'm passionate about this, because this actually happened to my family. Right. And this, this, these things go on in life, and we can't keep, you know, shutting the door on these things, because this could be anyone. If you're friends with me, and we're, and we're close. Right. And I confide in you. I want you to know this. This is what I'm going through, and this happened to my family. You know what I mean? So um, it's not just an on TV thing. There's things that happen that we don't even know about. Right. And I feel like a lot of people don't like. A lot of people think that racism is not a thing anymore. And I just want people to get like, no, it kind of is. So for me, it was just kind of like when it first happened. I was very, very upset. Right. I was super upset. I didn't even want to go work for a while. Um, like I was talking about earlier, those, those internal battles. It's just like, can I trust you? How do you feel about me training you? Oh, I'm probably not going to close this guy because he doesn't feel comfortable with me. Yeah. Um, you know, things of that nature. Can I change my hair? Is that okay? Can I wear this style? Can I wear this style? Am I going to get questions? Things that I like that I deal with all the time, but in reality, it's kind of just like, yes, you, anybody is going to be upset if that happens to you. I would assume, but in reality, it's kind of just like, all right, if I stay mad and I stay, you know, super, super aggressive, is that really going to get anyone anywhere? It's more of like the stupidity that I can't deal with. Like, if you're going to be stupid and ignorant about things, then it's like, okay, now you're being an asshole. But if if you're truly caring and you really don't know, ask questions and I will help you. You know what I mean? And I'll educate you because I know that you're really trying to change because some people, you can't fault people sometimes for not knowing things because this is just where they were raised. This is how they came up. They didn't see certain things. So... That's where I kind of just have to differentiate people who really care mm-hmm. and people who are just being assholes mm-hmm. because you have both. If you knew better, you do better kind of thing. But once you know better, yes. then don't. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because I like deal with that all the time. Like um, a perfect example would be one of my clients trained with me for like years, years and years and years. And I have braids in my hair now. And he asked me, like, so I, um, like, how did he say he was just like, um, you can tell, like, he was very hesitant. He was just like, um, so I assume those are extensions in your hair, right? Because your hair did not grow that long, right? And I was like, no. (laughs) Like, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, like, stuff like that. I'm just like, no. But let me tell you, like, yes. I you trained with me forever and I've had braids in my hair before mm-hmm. so you should know that no my hair did not grow like mm-hmm. eight feet overnight you know mm-hmm. what I mean so it's just like little stuff like that but he honestly he's an older um white guy too and he was just like no like I want you to know that I'm truly just asking because I don't know these things and mm-hmm. I just want to ask to like educate and I was like okay again it's that it's that defense mechanism at first mm-hmm. you ask me these questions of course I'm going to have this wall of like okay why are you asking this but yeah. then you break that down and I, I'm going to be a little bit more softer to you 
So it's just like, it's the same thing of like, just talking about racism in general. It's like, if I bring up racism to another white person, Mm -hmm. sometimes they get defensive because they want me to make sure, no, I'm not racist. You know what I mean? But it's kind of always like, no, 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 I get that. I'm just saying, let's just have a conversation, you know? It's so difficult to navigate. um, And I even find myself hesitating with my words because I'm like, man, I just want to make sure that I'm being so sensitive because mm-hmm. I don't want to say something wrong. Um, I also don't want to put um, any other like work or put someone in on someone a position to explain something that they've had to explain many times. And it's like, go do some research kind of thing, you know, like um, yes. simple things. And then obviously being exposed to or within certain different cultures of any culture, um, uh, certain words, certain slang, anything from th- across yeah. any culture. Because um, I remember, I remember one of uh, one of my first experiences too with some with some friends of mine that were saying like, yeah, like black people's hair is a is is a hard topic because white people sometimes will like reach out to touch it or make a remark and then mm-hmm. and you're having to explain like hey we don't do that like don't like mm-hmm. you know just even like certain simple things that people just don't really like think about um mm-hmm. that are obviously different across cultures um but yeah I mean I just I just so appreciate you being able to share that part of your story with us so that we can make a difference and just educating mm-hmm. and helping um which kind of leads me into my next piece for you. If you were writing a book about your life, what do you feel like this yeah. chapter of your life would be called? Growth. Ooh, okay. Can you expand? Yeah. Um, honestly, because we're, we're at that, like, we're at that weird age, like I said, I'm 26, where you're kind of just, like, figuring it out, like, I feel like I'm at that age where you're like, oh my God, I'm almost 30 and do I have everything together? I'm not married yet. Like, oh my God, like all my other friends are getting married. They're having kids. Like, ah, I don't have my shit together. But then part of it, you're still like, no, like I'm still, I'm an adult, but I'm still, I'm still growing. I'm still learning things. I'm maturing each day. Um, life experiences are definitely maturing me as well. Like when certain things happen to your life, in your life, you have to, you know, learn how to approach them in different ways. Um, and, you know, I live on my own now. Like, I moved out of my parents' house. Like, just stuff like that. And I honestly think um, I'm going to call it growth because of, you know, there's so much left still untold, if that makes sense. Because I'm, yes. I'm really, like, a big in-the-moment person. Yes. I don't really look into the future too much because I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. Like, it'll just be whatever like I set goals for sure but I'm more like like just go with the flow yeah because you never know something can easily take you off of that you know that that road that you were trying to go on and honestly that might be a better route to take so that's how I don't know that's just how I feel I love that yeah I definitely have always looked at I'm I'm gonna be 34 this year um but I always looked at my 20s learning my 30s living and my 40s are going to be thriving so I'm just that's the way we're going (laughs) like just trying to figure it all out as we go but I think it's just funny to me when people 
look at age as a limitation and a limiting factor of experiences and capabilities. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, no, like, like wine, we age, (laughs) we age. And as we, as we age, we just get better. (laughs) Like life should, life should just get better. Tell me that all the time. They're like, they're always, every time we work out, they're like, oh, you're, you're, you're killing me. Like, did you forget that I'm old? I'm like, first of all, (laughs) age Age is nothing but a number, and you're only as old as you feel. Yes. And then also, sometimes they're always like bringing up stuff to me too. Like, how would you, how would you like approach the situation? Or like, sometimes I swear I feel like I'm my client's therapist because they tell me everything, yes. and I'm like, dude, I'm only 26. I have no idea. <laughs> I have kids. I have not been married. Like, I don't know. But I just give them, you know, like the best. Like that's what I got. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So I, yeah, I definitely agree that um, just because someone's like 56 that doesn't mean that they can't come to you for advice or like you can't go to a 70 year old for advice. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Well, my, uh, that book called mindset, um, the psychology of success, um, actually Mm -hmm. talks about the benefit of a rookie mindset. So if you're in your twenties, I would consider you a little bit more of a rookie, but there's, it's when you're an old dog, right? Like if you've been through life, and you get your mm-hmm. your whole life kind of set into this little neat box. Sometimes you have a hard time thinking outside of the box, and that's what rookies are good for. Is just well, like yeah. I don't know, I've never experienced that, so why don't you try this? So there's always a benefit to all sorts of mindsets and insight. If you had a chance to rewrite a chapter in your life, would you, and what would it be? Um. Honestly, that's really a good question because I feel like that's like a regret question. Like, mm-hmm. if you do you have any regrets? Mm-hmm. And I don't regret anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say if I could rewrite a chapter, obviously what happened to my dad, I wish that did not happen. Mm-hmm. But in a really, really weird way, again, this is me just being positive, I think that that, that happening to my dad really blessed our family and, like, flipped it into a positive because ever since then like my family's just been in such a better place like obviously yes my dad is struggling with things mentally I'm struggling with things mentally like because of that I have like anxiety like things that you know I never really experienced before um but like I don't know like my dad is just he's just better um he's in a better place like work-wise like he's starting his own business um my mom she's literally like super stoked for my dad so she's kind of like dude like i'm ready to get this business rolling to start like our own family thing like you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. i just feel like things happen for a reason obviously that was really shitty it was horrible absolutely horrible i wish that did not happen to my dad because it screwed us up a lot but i do feel like something good came out of it Right. And I remember you saying uh, your dad has this saying, take the good with the bad and humble yourself. You can always do do things better. And then your mama said um, it could be worse. Work through life will come at you. You're going to make it through. So that definitely says a lot about their character for something so unimaginable to happen to both of your. I mean, it happened to your whole family. Right. Um, yeah. That experience happened to your whole family. So for them to just show such mental resilience um, through such an um, unfathomable situation, it just, I mean, y- your parents sound like incredible people. 
Um, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like everyone says that about their parents. <laughs> but like, honestly, honestly, they're really amazing because like I, and I feel like I'm a good combination of both of them mm-hmm. because like my dad just has, to, like I said, like that, that attitude of like, again, take the bad with the good. Like you got to mm-hmm. be able to, you know, get praise for when you're doing good, but you have to be able to take you know, when you're doing bad as well for growth and Mm -hmm. to stay humble. Mm -hmm. Because normally, like, when you're hearing that you're doing great all the time, you feel like you you reached where you need to be. Like, obviously, I'm doing a good job. Mm -hmm. But when people are telling you, no, you can do this or you can add this, take this away, add this, it's like, okay. Okay, you're always striving for something. You're always going to get better if you think that way. My mom, I'm just very envious of that. I wish. I'm not at that that stage of my life where everything like anything could get um anything could be worse i think that might come with age and wisdom there Mm -hmm. we go again that age thing Mm -hmm. but i don't know i think that's such a great mindset to have because for me i'm always like oh my god like again to go back to earlier (laughs) i'm very like programmed and i'm very structured and like soon as something deviates away from what I like you know had planned for that day or whatever I'm like oh my god I can't do anything because this just took me off my route right yeah so I I don't know I think I'm a good combo of both and they they're they're really awesome so if you had to say anything to the younger female generation striving to be a leader in their community um, or in their career what would you tell them would it be something like that yes Honestly, um, it would just be like, just don't, like, I know this is easier said than done, but just go for it. You're going to fail at some things, but it's the experience that you're going to get from those failures that's going to make you successful. Mm-hmm. So you're never going to be able to learn from it anything if you're always going to get things handed to you, if you always get that job interview, if you always pass that, that if you, whatever it is in your life, you're always just going to be like, yeah, I'm going to get it, whatever. But... Sometimes you need, again, what my dad said, things that humble you Mm -hmm. that's going to make you a better person. Like one of my favorite quotes is from Michael Jordan, I can accept failure. Anyone, everyone fails at something, but I can't accept not trying. And I live by that every single day. You know what I mean? Because it's like, just try, just try first Mm -hmm. and you're going to get better. It's okay. It might take you some time, but you'll get there. Yeah, if you're going to fail, fail hard, you know? Yes. Um, I f- and fail forward. Um, I feel like one of the best tidbits, and I think I brought this up quite a few times, but um, I'll try to use this as a parent if I ever happen to be a parent. Uh, they have a table talk for dinner where they go around the table asking their kiddos, what did you fail at today? And I was like, that is ingenious because it helps embrace, mm-hmm. like, trying getting out there and it it spins the whole idea of what failure is supposed to be and feel like in part of our lives so i thought that was so smart and it's hard it's definitely hard right you know like failing sucks yes obviously but again (laughs) like you just got to get back up like you just got to get back up right if you have to fail fail forward now what what are three truths that you know to be true hmm um, honestly, I would say everything that we were just talking about, like the quotes, um, accept, I can't accept failure or not trying, just literally go for it. That's probably the most, 
best advice I've ever gotten mm-hmm. is to stop being scared because I'm very a very indecisive person. I'm mm-hmm. like, ah, no, I can't. But but what if? But what if? But if I go this route, it might be better. Like you know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> no, just do it, and you'll figure it out. Um, and honestly, too. Be a better you. Be a better you. Each day, grow. Back to that growth thing. Mm-hmm. Just be, treat people the way you want to be treated. Don't be an asshole. Mm-hmm. Simple. Um, <laughs> and then also, I honestly think the cure to everything in this world, racism, and just, like, whatever it is, um, is to just mind your damn business. I think that's the most <laughs> simplest thing anyone could say you know what I mean because like what does me being gay have anything to do with you or what does me being black have anything to do with you I'm just walking into the store you're walking into the store as well we don't know each other so why is this bothering you you know what I mean just mind your business Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that's it so I don't know I'm very very simplistic so simplistic anything that's outside of that becomes complicated I start freaking out um yeah so keep it simple mind your business be a good person and uh go for it i love that because i was actually just i well i try to implement that in a lot of my client lessons but i said nobody is better than the basics basics never Mm. die right so it's like that could be so translational to like so many different things but also obviously like foundations with movement but um all right girl last question what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to be remembered for? Oh, uh, oh, that is such a good question. Remember, I told you I don't look into the future too much. Yikes. I'm sweating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, honestly, that I was that people remember me that I was always myself, always true to myself. Oh, I like that. Um, yeah, I'm all like no matter who you are, I don't care if you're the CEO of Lifetime, if you're my PTM, if you're my client, you're always gonna get me. Obviously, there's tears to that, Ari. Obviously, I'm gonna be more professional with Brom than I am my PTM, but still, you know what I mean? Like, still, it's always gonna be Ari. This is who I am. This is what you're gonna get. And it took me a long time to get that way because again, struggling with that being a black woman in this industry like do i have to act a certain way no it's like you know what this is what you get you either like it or you don't i don't know i hear brahm is pretty a pretty cool chill guy (laughs) (laughs) with his even better uh, his big old belt buckle yeah no but uh (laughs) that's funny because i feel like i was explaining that i feel like you know brahm could walk in i feel like anybody you know big timer could walk in and I would be able to hold composure, and yet I still get sweaty and nervous approaching members on the floor. What is that about? Yes. Like, I was like, yes. I don't want to interrupt them. Like, I mean, and that's that kind of goes back to, like, what you were saying, too. And even, you know, shout out Sarah Albers. She, I'm, take, I'm trying to take her as a mentor because she was like, girl, you need to be bold. Like, be sure in what you say because you know what to say. You know your direction. You know you know, you're educated, like, but be sure, be bold, don't be apologetic. And I just, I oh, love that because yes. I was like, yes, apologetic. girl power. <laughs> I'm like, yes. I'm working yes. on it. <laughs> yeah, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> 10 plus years I'm later. Yeah, ten, I'm like in the industry for how long? And I'm still like, ah, mm, 
I don't know. I know. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm always like at the end of everything. I'm always like, listen, it's easier said than done for sure. I know I sound like, oh, Ari's always vocal. I'm like, no, trust me. I still struggle. Like, hey, can you take that headphone out? Like, I just want to ask you, can you come to my class? Oh, my God. Right? But, Nervous. Yeah. <laughs> Ari, thank yeah. you so much for your time today. Is there anything that you want to continue to share with us? Do you want to, do you want to input anything before we leave today? No, I think I'm all good. Like, you are awesome. I think this is an awesome platform just to, like, understand because I'm also really big on um, trainers are real people, too. So I'm, yes. like, also super pumped about this podcast, just getting to know, like, your 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 trainer like who you work with right. and listen to their story outside of the gym i think it'll change a lot of people's perspective when they're working with them well i definitely believe in divine timing and just like there is a reason why i get to meet who i get to meet so i'm very grateful to have met you um hopefully there's an opportunity in the future that we can connect in person because it's just so much better um, but it's been it's been amazing sharing this time with you. I truly appreciate your time, as I know it's the most valuable thing that we have. So um, thank you for listening to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, where coaches are humans too. I appreciate every human and their journey, and I hope to continue to connect and shed light on how uniquely beautiful we all are. Our differences are what make us unique, but it's our humanity that brings us together. Stay healthy, my friends. This is your host, Vanessa, signing out. Thank you so much again for listening to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. We are broadcasting on anywhere you can find other podcasts like Apple, Spotify, and of course, Anchor, where we're recording this podcast now. If you really loved it, which I'm sure you did, we would appreciate a five-star review and a share with all of your friends. Until next time, this is your host, Vanessa, signing out. Stay healthy, my friends.